0: welcome to the conversation of money podcast this is the weekly show where we talk about all things money and finance and where we give you information to help you make the best financial decisions possible so if you want to buy your first home you want to be better with money you want to learn how to invest where to begin this is the show for you I'm your host Peter Komalafe. I'm so thrilled to have you here so without further ado Let's get going with this week's show. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's another Monday. I hope you are well. Hope you had an amazing weekend. The weather is, uh, is something else. Um, we complain about not having really nice weather, but the last few, well, actually, the last week has been, I wouldn't say unbearable, but it's something that I'm not really used to. So um, I hope you guys have coped well wherever you are. You've got your fans and your windows are open. We had a storm last night, which was really, really nice, kind of cooled down the temperature. But yeah, just make sure that. Hydration is really important in these kind of situations, so take care of yourselves as you always should and need to. Um, but today, I am actually joined by another guest. Last week, we wanted to do something different because I was reading articles and headlines, and there, this is a, this is a transitional period um, where. A lot of people are going to be uncertain about what's going to happen in the future as they come off furlough, um, as they start getting letters from employers around redundancies, possible redundancies, reapplying for their jobs. So last week, I did want to take it back to basics to kind of just revisit the foundations that we set, you know, at the very, very beginning of this podcast. And today is going to take us a step further in that journey. Uh, like I kind of mentioned, this is a transformational episode. So I actually have um, a transformational uh, therapist, a clinical hypnotherapist, an award-winning speaker as well. Her name is Janine Sarah. Welcome, Janine.
1: Hi, Peter. How are you?
0: I'm good. Did I pronounce your, your surname correctly?
1: It's um, Cera.
0: Cera, Cera, because it's Italian, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, okay. Cera, Cera. I remember that. I remember. That. How are you?
1: I'm very good, but don't worry. I'm used to be called the Sarah, especially in airports. I need to be careful that Janine Sarah, Janine Kera. So like this, I will turn, but yeah, the correct
0: one is Chira. Chira, Chira. Okay, perfect. Um, Why don't you introduce yourself so that listeners can kind of like get a feel for who you are, what you basically do. Because when I look at, you know, transformational therapist, clinical hypnotherapist, I'm like, this is very, very interesting stuff. So we're going to have an interesting conversation today around mindsets and all that kind of stuff as well.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, um, and as you are uh, financial experts, uh, it's very cool that today we're going to talk about mindset around money, um, which is very interesting. But yeah, my background basically is like I've always been into human behavior. I've always been a nerd of reading books about psychology, human behavior. I think the earliest I remember I was 13. I've been always fascinating why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. So becoming a therapist was the best job I ever done in my life. I've been also a cabin crew. I work in the corporate world and they were all cool jobs, but I didn't excel. I was Mm -hmm. just, uh, it was, they were great experiences and they taught me a lot about people, especially cabin crew, because, you know, I was traveling around the world through so many cultures and I am, you learn a lot about dealing with people who are different backgrounds, different religions, different cultures, different language from you. So it's been amazing and it has also expanded my mind and also I've been lived abroad. Um, I'm Italian, I'm Scandinavian, but I grew up a bit in England and Austria. Then I moved to Italy where I grew up most of my life. And as an adult, I lived in France, in UK and Uganda um and uh, i spent so many holidays in us so my, my i've always been very observe uh, a big observer oh, oh, oh <laughs> I, yeah. on my, my tongue today is like that
2: that's okay yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing about um interviews so i always love to observe people mm-hmm. and wondering what's their background where do they come from which pain do they have so being a therapist was the final job I had to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I I waited so many years and uh, procrastinated about that. But since I've been a therapist, it's been the best job in my life because I help people to get over their old pains. Because you know, um, we run with old narratives, with old beliefs, and they they don't serve us anymore. Most of our beliefs that keep us stuck are beliefs that we don't need anymore so we should shred mm-hmm. them throw them out of the window mm-hmm. with life and especially money limiting beliefs
0: yeah see this is an interesting <clears throat> point for me because i've always i've always tried to understand and I, I i don't even understand it for myself at the moment why i do the things that i do or why i did the things that i did and even now like when I, if, I, if I take an introspective look at myself, I'm like, so why, why is this a reoccurring theme through all of my life in terms of like my mindset? And I've got another podcast called The Tap Into, Into Extraordinary Podcast where we talk about these kind of things. And, and this week's episode is actually called um, Dealing With The Inner Critic. Like that little voice on your shoulder. Like what, where does that come from? Why is it there? How do you handle it? Because everybody has this one little thing that is constantly there in your mindset. And it's that negative talk. Sometimes it's positive talk, but oftentimes it's there to protect you. And I've always asked the question of, you know, how much does your upbringing, your family have to do with that? And when I was doing research for that episode, I found a piece of content that basically alluded to the fact that that inner voice, that inner critic is a combination and an accumulation of all the voices that you've heard throughout your life with that little you need to be careful. You need to protect yourself. You can't do this and and so on and so forth. And I'm, even now I'm, I'm fascinated with how we break away from that when it comes to my finances. And this is what we talk about here on, you know, the podcast, I've certainly made full 360s on that, but that's been, you know, real epiphanies, real mistakes, real, um, observations of people where I'm like, nah, I, I definitely can't be in that situation, but not everybody has the luxury of having the kind of epiphanies that I've had to transform their finances in that way so I guess my question for you is how have you what's is there a common theme that you found that drives people's behaviors and why they do what they do
1: well, that's a very good question Peter so the common belief on uh, on whatever we have about money is usually learned, and is learned by we absorb our parents or carers' beliefs. Mm-hmm. When we are born, we are born with no fear. We have only two fears: the fear of being dropped mm-hmm. and loud noises. Anything else? No, we're not fearful to be hungry because we know that we scream and we are going to get food. Mm-hmm. So these are the only two fears. Every other fear is learned. So the fear about scarcity, about uh, how do I end uh, this month, or how do I pay the bills? Those are all learned. Um, but there is a very interesting concept that a lot of s- social media posts are saying, be fearless, be without fear. That's actually, its uh, fear is actually a good thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: As you said before, Fear can help us to live uh, life thinking about risk. However, the problem is we have too much fear. And I will tell you a bit more in a second. But they have been uh, studying a woman who has been through so much trauma and so much domestic abuse since she was a child and then when she was married that she wasn't fearful anymore. And uh, she will do very bad choices because she didn't have fear. Mm-hmm. And this is also the thing if you go skiing or you go to the seaside, small children have no fear. So you can't leave them by themselves because they have no concept. A three year old kid on a ski doesn't have a concept of fear. So that's why they're always with adults or with the teacher because they think, oh, there is a jump. I can just do the jump. But maybe mm-hmm. we have not checked that behind the jump, there is nothing, you no? Know? Mm-hmm. And um, and so fear can be a good thing. And also, as we are tribal, we have been living in tribes for thousands, millions of years. And basically, um, without fear, we will uh, maybe just get bored of our tribe and just go to the next one and get enslaved or Mm -hmm. killed Mm -hmm. or be eaten by a bear or a lion. So the thing is, how do we know which fear is useful to us and which one is not? That's the $1 billion question. The thing is, um, most of our fears nowadays are not useful in the sense that um, we are scared to change, we are scared to grow. Even in the business, we procrastinate because we are fearful of failure Mm or fear of success, which is a real thing. Mm because some people fear success because then when you change, you might lose connections, you might, uh, people might not like you, might, people might use it. So there is also the success thing. Um, but so most of our fears, we need to do things despite our fears. And, uh, and also like in, um, from a finance point of view, Um, The best thing is, as you said before, mindset and habit. You need to change your mindset to change your habit. But it's even better when you change your mindset and you do something about it. Even if you don't feel it, it's like, I hate writing this blog post or I hate doing this uh, tax return, but you need to do it. Mm -hmm. So thinking without action is not going to be very effective. I have spent so much time just... I'm hypnotizing myself, meditating, and without action, you don't go that far, fast. Mm-hmm. So if you want fast, change, you need to have one priority. like if you want to set your finances, and that's the most important. Set those finance first and work towards that one. because as humans we tend to have multiple goals. Mm-hmm. our relationship, losing weight, and get my finance in order and start a business. If you have too many goals, that's overwhelming. instead, start with one, kind of master it, and then when you are in the habit to do something about your finance that you keep working or you're studying every day, every day you just need to read maybe 15 minutes of a business book or a money mm-hmm. book, but if you, that's your goal, you just progress towards it, and um, when you don't do nothing for two days, instead of saying, oh, I knew it. I will, I always self-abotage myself. Why do I do this? I should just give up. Instead, you just say, oh, I haven't done anything for two days or a week. You just Mm -hmm. go back on the train. The the thing about change is all about steps. And I highly suggest not to change too many things at the same time because then it's overwhelming. And our mind is monotask. It can focus well on one thing. And so this is always what I say about change. Change one thing per time. And um, and there is also a core belief uh, the, um, about money that many of us, we don't feel worthy of money. And
0: yeah, <laughs> I would agree with that because I think a lot of the times, I mean, I think it comes back down to maybe, again, what we, what we learned from home. So certainly in my family, I know for a fact that, you know, we were really, really poor out in Nigeria. And... When it got to the point where I was earning really good money there was an element of like guilt almost to it and it's that it's it was almost taught as though because my parents are very very religious my mom goes to church like two three days a week like literally through two three times a week and there was this old bible verse that kept being hammered on that the root of money uh, uh money is the root of all evil right so that little thing in the back of your head as you grow up. And I can't—I kind of, think we mentioned on your podcast last week, that, you know, financial habits are formed for children at age seven. So if you're hearing these kind of things, it does have carrying effects through life into adulthood. And I, even now, it's like, well, okay, what is too much and what is not too much. And that manifests itself in a number of areas for me where I still try and battle with, okay, no, actually, I'm—it it is justifiable because of what I do. and. And so on and so forth and but it's a hard one to get past
1: mm, yeah well um I want to enter into the, the the thing about the Bible because it's all another an argument and I'm not expert mm-hmm. but from what I have studied and researched the fact is uh, um it's very allegoric so it depends which interpretation you give but the fact about uh, as I mean, I grew up most of my life in Italy. Italy is a very Catholic country, and so we had the same beliefs. Money is the root of all evil, and th- despite that, there are people who are wealthy and they are religious or spiritual. So the two don't go. That's the thing. As we tend to think, spiritual people shouldn't have money, or religious people shouldn't. Have. Money is just an energy, and um, and that was an issue in the past. With, uh, with the Jews, I'm not gonna, just going to say a little bit, but because Jews don't have any issue to deal with money because it's just money. Mm-hmm. And and so um, Christians got very upset because they were getting poorer and poorer but they had this ingrained belief money is a root of evil, money is bad while Jews had no problem. So the Jews were wealthy and then the Christians hated them. That's my parenthesis on history but mm. stuff in there. But, but that's the thing. Money is just a all. is not good or bad, it's just what you think it is. If you mm-hmm. think bad is going to be bad, if it's good it's going to be good. And the thing is we grow up with our parents or carers and uh, we hear what they, like as a, ch- as a child, you, you see the world through your parents. Like um, people who are fearful of uh, a spider is either because they had a traumatic experience mm-hmm. Or maybe they got scared with a spider. But usually a fear is like they see a kid sees a dog. Look at his mom. Look at the dog. Look at his mom. How the mom react to the dog, the kid will react to the dog as well.
2: Yeah, it's
1: sure. Yeah. Learning. So if your parents say money is the root of all evil, all around one. Money doesn't go on tree. People mm. money are bad. And then as a kid, you're like, you believe it. Because you believe your parents and uh, and they believe their parents. is usually... Uh, hereditary issue, no?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: The beliefs are transmitted from generation to generation till somebody say, no, that's enough. But as you say, there is a lot of guilt about money because the relationship is like, oh, I feel bad to want more. Is it because it's greed is bad? And, uh, but the fact is, um, um, worshiping money is bad. Mm -hmm. Working towards money will bring you misery and stress. When you work with towards your goals and the money arrives, it's good. Mm-hmm. Because if you have no money, you can't help other people. I've been broke mm-hmm. a few times in my life because as well, I had to work a lot on money issues and still a work in progress. But when I was broke, I couldn't help anybody. I could mm-hmm. just help them for free, give them my time. That's all I had. I had time. I had plenty of time, but I didn't. I couldn't help a charity I couldn't see so if somebody needed uh, I could I could give a coin to a homeless person but I couldn't help because without money you can't uh, help others so having money is actually good as long as then you share a part of it not half of your <laughs> well what's yeah. most of it remember always to to take care of yourself because yeah. it's like the metaphor I love this metaphor I have a glass now we, mm-hmm. we are <laughs> remote, but if you were here with me and you ask me a glass of water, here we go. Mm-hmm. I can give you a glass of water. If the glass is empty and you ask me a glass of water, I'm like, I can give you a glass, but mm-hmm. it's empty. I don't have water. So make mm-hmm. sure you have that water full.
0: Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. So this this leads on to um, something you mentioned earlier. scarcity mindset. Yeah. Right. Now that on social media, there are a load of, um, I hear these sayings all the time that you need to think in abundance, right. And you need to have an abundant mindset. I struggle with that notion. I struggle with it purely because I'm like, okay, well for me and for my experiences, it's okay to have a mindset around like money is going to be flowing in. It's okay to have an abundance of money. But if you don't do anything with that in terms of taking actions and have habits around that, then it's a mindset that doesn't really take you anywhere. Mm. How damaging or negative do you think a scarcity mindset can be for everyday people looking to money as maybe just a commodity, something that they just need to survive? Because you again, you've 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 echoed one of my biggest lines money is a tool
2: mm. and if
0: you don't see it as a tool if you see it as just something that comes in goes out just for you to be able to survive for me that's a recipe for disaster that was my mindset years and years ago I've been able to change that now and that's why I've come 4360 4, 360 but where how damaging do you think a scarcity mindset is in this conversation
1: well, it's a big one. As you, I'm also working towards a more abundant mindset. And it's not regarding about money, because I am trying to make it like everywhere. First of all, I'm working on gratitude. It's incredible how when you're grateful for the things you have, you realize how wealth you have, because mm. you have so much stuff that other might not have. And we know for sure that people who don't have internet, or don't have a computer, or a house, a roof on their head, or running water in the in the kitchen. So we are already super wealthy, and we need to consider. Actually, we're all wealthy people. Yes, we can all do. I still have to meet somebody who who is okay and would not mind to make more money. But the point is, a uh, scarcity mindset it's very dangerous and damaging because. If you feel that you're struggling every month to uh, to arrive at the, at the end of the month and you have bills to pay and you have your kids to feed, that's very stressful. However, when people live in this mindset, they are into survival mode. So it's very difficult when you're in survival mode to think, oh, there is something out there. The point of abundance as a technical point of view, as far as I know, every hour, I don't know how many notes are printed in the world, mm-hmm. and there are transactions through online banking of trillions of dollars or mm-hmm. pounds every hour, if not every minute. Wow. So, money is everywhere, and it's like it just we. I don't understand money. I'm not an expert on money. That's why I love your channel, and I'm getting so much more educated on finances and money. But basically, it's everywhere, and uh, if you feel Um, more abundant is everything is about choice. You can Mm -hmm. either decide to pick the emotion that, oh, everything is difficult, money is scarce or money is available to me. Maybe I don't have it right now, but I'm going to work towards it. And yes, working on your mindset, great, but you also need to act. I, I love my project, but if I didn't do anything to create value to others, if I didn't do podcasts, videos or recordings and nobody knows about me, I'm not serving. Mm-hmm. Like your call is to educate us and help us with finances, but you could also just create a website and sit back and wait for somebody to find your website and you wait. Instead, no, you're proactive, you're doing things. And hopefully one day you will also write a book. Mm-hmm. I would love to read your book. But that's the point, action, action, action. And who knows which is the right action? Just figure things out while you, while you go. Um, and another thing I wanted to say about, um, mindset, I don't remember. So if you have another question, I will think about it. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So you've lived all over the world. I've lived in Nigeria and a few other places as well. I'm interested to know your take on whether you think culture has a, has a big part to play in this whole mindset thing when it comes to money specifically, because I think we spoke on your podcast very, very briefly about this Mm -hmm. and the, um, the way we think about money across different countries and different cultures are completely different. And that in fact actually informs what we actually do with money and our habits. So I'd be interested to know your thoughts on that.
1: That's a very good question. So, um, what I've noticed is like, uh, the difference in, for example, UK and US, um, as I grew up most of my life in Italy, people, people only a few people had credit cards in Italy when I was growing up. And they were used to buy big expenses or if you had a business.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But honestly, they were like something you will use very rarely and you will use it to buy the fridge, a car, some people were bought. <laughs> but you didn't use it for daily purchase. Then I arrived here and uh, and also when I was going to U.S., everything is on credit card. Now, the fact is, um, uh, credit cards can be dangerous because they make you feel you have that extra money, but you need to be very careful in budgeting because you don't have that money. The bank Mm -hmm. is in that money, but if you don't pay it back next month, you're going to pay a fine on it. Mm -hmm. So um, we need to stop to live on credit. We need to think how much money, like, can I budget and how much can I really spend? Also something that I struggled in the past was I tend to, I used to buy a lot of stuff. Like I will go in a bookstore just to, I love books I have a mm-hmm. thing and I will buy books. I will buy shoes. I will buy clothes, bags and I didn't need them. But sometimes, you know, I just wanted it, it was so beautiful or it's on sale. That's the
2: worst.
1: Not mm-hmm. on sale. Don't buy it because why would you buy something that you wear that is cheap, that you don't love? Even if you're staying home, you want something that you, when you see yourself in the mirror or you look around, you love it. So just stop buying things just because they're on sale because if you don't love it, if you love it as on sale, thumbs Mm -hmm. up. Don't buy something just because it's on sale because you deserve to wear things that you just love. Just buy less. Mm. The thing is about buying stuff. For me, as for many people, it's usually as synonymous or I don't feel good enough. Mm-hmm. And I want to impress people and I want to feel that emptiness. I'm empty, there is something wrong with me. I don't know what it is. I will fill it with stuff. Some mm-hmm. other people fill it with drugs, alcohol, sex, online porn, we create these addictions because we don't feel good enough. So we need to fill that gap. And my not feeling good enough was quite expensive and uh, once i work on myself and uh, i've been working on myself for many many years and now i'm like i don't buy stuff unless i love it and i yeah. don't use it also because i'm a bit i'm trying to be more environmental if i don't wear an item for at least 100 days i don't want to buy it because yeah. i'm not going to end up in a landfill one day yeah That's the thing. We spend too much. It's incredible how we don't realize how much we spend on stuff we don't eat because we keep throwing. The food waste is one of the worst uh, impact, but it's also money. We are buying food that then we don't eat. I I always check on the fridge. I never throw away meat or fish. It's very rare. Because I, if an animal died, I want to eat it, no? Yeah. I always organize myself. And if I don't feel eating meat that day, like I have meat that expiring, I'm going to eat the meat.
0: Yeah,
1: It's saving me so much money on grocery bills. You I'm know what? Less.
0: Everything you've just said there really does bring true. Because I've been listening to you then and I've been thinking about uh, the changes that I've made over the last maybe two, three years. And on the point of buying too much stuff, it's almost a marketer's dream now with social media and all this stuff to just to constantly have things in your face i cannot remember the last time i went out shopping for clothes or whatever it is i literally have what i have and the difference is prior to now i would always look for something new to buy even though i didn't need it and that in itself is a habit that can be very very expensive because one of the things that I realized about myself is I'm impulsive. So when I go out and I want to go shopping, I'm going to go look for expensive, expensive stuff. And if I get that impulse, Oh my God, that's really, really cool. I'll buy it without really thinking too much. So on my financial journey, one thing I've had to do is identify the fact that number one, Pete, you are really impulsive, like really, really impulsive. And going out and doing these things, just means that you're committing more money to something else that you don't actually need and i think that's a really really uh, important thing for people to realize in today's society of social media of everything in your face all in once and that instant gratification because you're right a lot of the time it is fi- it's filling a void you i did it because i was bored i did it because i had money in the bank that i didn't really know what to do with because i wasn't really educated enough to understand okay I should use this as a tool to build for the future. If I put that money aside, it might go for a property deposit. It might go into an investment. I didn't think like that, which is where the mindset basically comes in. And that's one thing that has been a struggle. It's been really hard work for me to adjust that mindset in the last two, three years. And I'm so thankful for where I am right now, because in January, I took a new job. I got made redundant. And luckily, because I've changed all of my habits, I was able to just say, you know what? I'm going to focus on conversational money now. And build this out and focus on the YouTube, focus on the podcast and focus on working with people one-on-one. Pay down my car so I don't have that high expectation of bills on a monthly basis. Pay down all of my debt so I have zero debt now, apart from a small mortgage. And gratitude is really important because I can look at my situation and say, well, actually, I could do a lot better. And I have expectations of myself, but it is putting things into perspective that there are there are people who would kill to be in my situation. And yeah, that mindset and just that understanding. I I would love to know whether you think understanding of self comes into that at all.
1: Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Because uh, it's a very good point you made. Before, when I was not, before becoming a therapist, when I was not aware of my feelings, This was how I felt, you know, during a day we feel so many emotions like sadness, depression, happiness, emotions are motion, like moving Mm -hmm. and they're like picture them as waves. So when a bad emotion comes, you know, it will go away. And when a good emotion arrives, like joy, enjoy it because it's going to go away. Instead, before being aware, this is what I was feeling like, oh, I'm feeling happy oh, do I deserve to be happy? I haven't done mm. that yet. And I, I'm i not that a good person. I haven't called my... Uh, so this is... And I broke the, the joy. And when a negative emotion will arrive, I will be all thinking and then I'm starting to feel anxious. It's like oh my gosh, uh, something is wrong. And I didn't understand because I wasn't aware and I felt, oh, that I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling bad. I need to do something about it. Distract myself. Buy something. Um, g- get out or do something. Distraction. And so awareness is a big thing. When you know, oh, I'm starting to feel anxious. Oh, it's just a feeling. Okay, maybe it's telling me something that is true about me, like, oh, you're not doing enough at job, uh, in, in my business, or um, you're wasting your time watching all this <laughs> uh, Seinfeld uh, in, a, in the afternoon. So maybe it's telling me something true, but it's just an emotion. So when you have time, just sit with that negative emotion, that feelings making you feel like this, and even if it makes you cry. I'm people, you should cry whenever you have the occasion cry mm. because uh, if you don't cry another organ will weep and also when i like a, an example i'm a big animal lover and i had this cat for 13 years i was strong i didn't cry i was tough i was trying to help my brother to get over the grief well i also lost people but this is um the example and i remember one day i was a supermarket and i was walking past the aisle of pet food i'm like oh his favorite. <laughs> and I mm. started right crying out of nowhere and I was sobbing but it was because I didn't cry at home
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I build up and I build up this is what emotion do when you build up negative emotion and you push them away they're going to get angrier and angrier just look at them as small people children inside you that are looking for attention if you are aware of your emotion they don't last that long mm. And also another thing you were saying about buying stuff because you were bored, you will go to a shop. This is why, usually why we buy stuff, is to be happier. Mm -hmm. Oh, I have this new pair of shoes. I have the new iPhone. Ah, and you feel it gives you dopamine. Only saying this gives me goosebumps. It gives you dopamine. Mm -hmm. The fact is buying a new car, a new house, a new phone, new shoes, whatever it is, gives you dopamine, but it fades away. Mm -hmm. Maybe a house can keep you happy for a whole week, but then life happens. You can have the fancy car, the fancy shoes, the fancy phone. This phone, if somebody breaks up with me through text message, it's going to hurt. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if you have the cheap one, the iPhone, it's going to hurt the same.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. An iPhone a Samsung won't make that pain less. So it's all about, we are looking to be happier, but it's just tough. The things that make us happy, I've done a webinar, so if people want to follow me, or I can send a link to the webinar, it's, the things that make us happy are small things. Look at children, look at dogs, they are happy for the small things. Yes, they don't have bills to pay, they don't have have much regrets, they don't think about the future, but they are great teachers of living in the moment.
0: Mm. When you're
1: living in the moment, you can enjoy life and be happier and also grateful. I never met somebody who is ungrateful and happy at the same time, never. Yeah. So it's not to be, oh, grateful, the journaling stuff, oh, so boring, oh, that's for children. No, if you're not grateful, you can't be happy.
2: At
0: least
1: I never met one person. If you exist out there, feel free to challenge me and you will be the exception to the rule. But (laughs) honestly, I never found somebody.
0: Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And it's taken me a while for me to realize that in terms of, you know, everybody's on their on their own journey. And regardless of where you are in your journey, you came from somewhere. And just taking some time just to pause and look back and remember where you came from versus where you are right now puts things into perspective. If I look back over my my period, I came back to the country when I was 17, just turning 18, I had 50 pounds, that was it. I was homeless twice. And being in those kind of situations to where I am right now is worlds and worlds and worlds away. And although I want to progress, I want to do more just knowing that I've come from that and where I am right now. And I'm lucky enough to have zero debts apart from a small, small mortgage. Most people will say that's financial freedom. That's financial security. I'm very, very grateful for that. And I think that's, that's one thing that we should all make sure that we do look back where we've come from look at where we are right now and look how much of a big difference that is it's a huge difference for a lot of people and it's that's so so important
1: yes absolutely being proud own it own your story own your your growth your process because it's like you come a long way and this made you only stronger also about the loan and car uh, I think Warren Buffet says something in those lines. So if I'm wrong, I apologize, because I read Warren Buffet few years ago, but he's a financial master. Mm-hmm. But do not buy a car or a house you can't afford.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: nowadays, minimalism is becoming much more in fashion because we need really less stuff. We have filled our houses with things that were supposed to make us yeah. happy. And we have so much. And I've keep moving. Like I've moved so many times. Like in the last three years since I separated, I've moved probably six times, if not more. It just I'm always with the luggage. So I'm getting rid of stuff because I keep in a storage of stuff that was supposed to make me happy. And so it's crazy. And the only thing I I really miss right now are my dogs that are overseas, no? Um, I will give everything to get them back but the point is always get stuff within your means because if you buy the fancy car to impress your neighbors nobody cares and you're going to <laughs> work towards to pay that car yeah, so keep yeah. a cheaper car a smaller car a smaller house and enjoy that money for experiences yeah yeah
2: enjoy
1: the money on dinner with friends on investing on saving on a, on a holiday Mm -hmm. on on doing things to make this work better. Those are things that will make us fulfilled.
0: I'll tell you what, I can echo that so much. And I said it on the podcast this week, and I'm going to say it again. You know, I think everybody knows that I I have a Tesla and I speak about Tesla stock and all that kind of stuff. But the whole reason why I bought that car was because I I love the car and I've always loved the car. I test drove one was like, oh my God. But because again, I'm impulsive. I did research because I, again, I was bored. <laughs> I went on Google started looking for one found one in Colchester drove down like two days later and gave it 15,000 pound deposit for the car. No thinking. And it wasn't the fact that I had a perfectly good car. Before that I had an a six perfectly fine, perfectly fine. But because oh my God, it's a Tesla. This is going to be amazing. Like, people are going to see this and it's going to be rare. It's it's going to be the only one in the town where I basically live. I'm going to look like the Don, right? (laughs) That was my mentality when I bought it. That was four years ago. Five years ago now, right? It's really, really important that we have to rein in those emotions, rein in those kind of thoughts because the logical person in me now would never ever go and give fifteen thousand pounds to a dealership for a car for a deposit which i then financed doubled my monthly payments so that on the car i was paying more than my mortgage by by quite quite significant amount and when i got made redundant in march i had to make the choice i need the car the car's great because electric there's a supercharger down the road I literally only have to change tires. That's it. That cost me between 1200 1400 quid a year, roughly. So upkeep for the car is minimal. When I got me redundant, I was like, okay, cool. Now I need to reduce my bills even further. It was painful for me to go and pay off 24 and a half thousand pounds. So I actually own this car. Now I've got to be grateful for the fact that I'm in a position where I could actually do that. But I put myself in that situation where I've just paid out 24 and a half thousand pounds for a car that in the real world, if I had my A6, it would still take me from A to B. It would still do the job, but I still have 24 and a half thousand pounds in the bank right now. And it's really, really important. Priorities are so important. My priority back then was impressing people. And again, this is where four 360 awareness of self, being great, being grateful, being happy, understanding what makes you happy. Is so important because now, okay, I have the luxury of owning a Tesla, but is it? Re- does it really matter in the scheme of things? The answer is absolutely not. It doesn't matter at all. I could happily, if this car disappears off the face of the planet, go and you know drive around in a Fiesta, one point two, tomorrow. And
1: I love the Fiesta. I had a Fiesta. That was my first car I bought because the first car I got was my dad was a Passat, and I share with my brother. So it was a huge car, but my first car I bought was a 13 year old Fiesta, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And it was gas, so it yeah. was super cheap to run, excuse me, <clears throat> and um, and uh, kind of ecological, apparently gas is uh, the best option for uh, an ecological car, but yeah, Tesla, at least you're not impacting the environment very much. Yeah, but,
0: that's, well, that's the, that's the added bonus, which is why I was like, okay, at least I'm gonna be doing some good because the 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 carbon footprint for the car is actually and to be honest because i was advising at the time i could drive into london no congestion charge parking well atp for four hours in central london it made sense from that point of view as well um but yeah
1: yeah but that's something very interesting you say that you are impulsive so i guess you um you think yourself more impulsive compared to somebody else you know so Mm. But the thing is, we're all impulsive. And the, the fact is uh, that test drives are, the purpose of test drives is to make you fall in love with the drive. <laughs> and then you need to have that car. Mm-hmm. So the best way to save is not to have a test drive unless you want that car and you thought about it. And also what I learned in the past as a teenager, is like, ah, I'm bored. Let's go to the shopping mall because there's an aircon in the summer and mm-hmm. in the is prison. The fact is, going to window shopping. is not a window shopping. You Mm -hmm. will go back home with something because these shops have spent so much money and uh, and energy in marketing those windows to allure you in. And the hope is that you buy something from them. So the best way to save, uh, as we are all impulsive, some people are more than others, but we are all impulsive, is to avoid together, window shopping. Unless you need something, don't go window shopping. Don't. Because yeah. that's the purpose. It's like, I'm yeah. here, come yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Enter in my shop. Yeah. Buy something. So only try to be, we need to be more diligent. We need a sweater, we buy a sweater. And then we're going to probably end up to buy a shirt and the shoes.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: at least we limit. And, um, and instead, uh, <laughs> happiness is like, just go to a park or a forest or to the beach and just walk that's cheap no price tag <laughs> and uh, connecting to nature is what makes us full? because if you spend two three hours in shops or oxford street in london you're feeling drained go to three hours in nature you go back home you might be tired because you've been hiking but you're tired but satisfied it's two mm. different energies one drains you the other one you. You.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would completely agree with that because one of the things that I don't do now is I don't just go to a shopping mall for, for just the sake of going to shopping mall. I just don't. And that's me controlling my impulses because I know I'm bad like that. So I stay, I don't put myself in an, in an environment where I can be tempted. Now, with that being said, I do believe that it is all about balance. And, yeah. you know, some people, for me, I don't need to buy stuff, but for some people, they find that they have a sense of reward in the work that they do every single month. So I'm going to go and treat myself. And that's completely fine. You have to find balance. Balance is extremely important. So if anybody's listening to this, we're not saying don't go and buy those things. But I don't do know, it in less. yeah, do it in know. in proportion to what makes you happy and to what you can actually afford because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. I think maybe I'm completely left field now because I have bought some ridiculous stuff. I bought some really, really ridiculous stuff in my times. And I'm just like, what the hell do you do it? But you know, it's it is important to have balance in this whole equation as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, I'm not saying do you not know, buy stuff. I'm just saying buy less buy better mm-hmm. Like for example um as money mindset when uh, we get a pay rise they have found out that most of us like 90% a little part will put oh I have a pay rise I will save more money or invest more mm-hmm. but most of us go like oh I used to shop at Primark now I shop at Zara and now with the pay rise I'm going to shop in uh, the fancy shops mm-hmm. and, and Stella McCartney and so on the thing is we, at the end of the month, they seen we remain with the same kind of money. It's like that's what we think we're worth. It's a kind of like psychological thing. The thing is, if we buy less, but we buy better, we buy from the independent shop. I'm a, I'm a big, I try to buy from independent shops as much as I can, no? Because I love when somebody is so passionate about an industry and they mm-hmm. do that thing. Uh, instead of corporation where like the, the guy who sells bikes and they know everything about the bike. I want to buy the bike from them, not from uh, the big company that the guy's like, oh yeah, this uh, yeah this is better, but this is cheaper, mm-hmm. yeah, more or less the same, yeah, whatever. That's yeah. a different approach. So I always try to go to the more artisan kind. But also when you buy clothes and stuff, they, if you buy quality because you buy less, even if you spend the same money, but you buy better quality, they last longer. Yeah, And uh, so no, I'm not saying do not buy. I'm just saying buy less. Just buy things you love and you need.
0: Yeah. So on this whole transformation side to mindset, we've mentioned a couple of things that I think are really, really important. So gratitude, those kind of things and having a, a, an abundance mindset. Are there any any other things in closing that you feel are really important tips for people to take away in terms of looking at their mindset versus their money?
1: Mindset versus money and what meaning?
0: In terms of, are there any mindset tricks or mind, uh, things that you could uh, recommend that people change within their mindset that can positively impact their money?
1: Okay, yes. Well, if you realize that you have some stories that are keeping you stuck, like uh, working for money is evil and... Um, rich people are, are mean. These kind of beliefs, those are not beliefs, that not, those are not real. There are amazing people that are changing the world, that have plenty of money and are, are helping the world with uh, building schools and stuff. So, every belief you have, limiting belief about money, is BS. It's not real, because um, it's something that you learn either from your parents or your teacher or your siblings, and that's not true. If you feel that you have some beliefs about money, heal about it, work on them. Because the fact is, it's just a tool. It's good to have them, but you don't need to stress about it. Like, how can I get more and more and more? Just find a balance where, okay, this is like, make a budget and see how much do you really need per month. Mm-hmm. As a on podcast, podcasts, you help people realize, uh, because we tend to have this thing, the happiness is somewhere in the future. Once I'm married, once I go to Polynesia, and you help your client realize that she wanted to travel, Mm-hmm. And she, you help her to realize how much money does it need to, to travel. And she was like, "Well, I would need this kind of money." And turns out that if she just cuts a bit here, a bit there, a bit here, a bit there, she had enough money. Mm-hmm. And that was very interesting point of view. She could already done that in a few months instead of a few years down mm-hmm. the line. Yeah, was much closer to her as opportunity. And then also another thing: when we decide to have a goal about money and we fail and we do something wrong, we buy something stupid or we lose some money in some way. Just don't hate yourself. Forgive yourself, we are all humans, we make mistakes. Just dust yourself and get back on your feet and keep going towards the goal you want to uh, reach.
0: Yeah, I think those are those are sort of things. And again, I think the best way to end this episode is on this note that I think we've repeated a few times now. Money is a tool. And if yes. you watch me on YouTube, You know, that that is my, that's my entry title to all of my videos because, because money is a tool It's there to help you do the things that you really want to do in life. The question is, do you know what you want to do in life?
1: Do you understand
0: yourself well enough to be able to articulate, write them down and actually put them into a plan? That's the kind of stuff I help people with on, on the coaching side of things. And it's really, really important everything that i i i I teach people is stuff that I do. I know that it's worked for me and it's taken years for me to to shift the mindset um to where it is right now. I wish I had this mindset when i was 20, 25 years old you know yeah. but you know hindsight is a great thing um but this is what's really really important so I really do appreciate you coming on, Janine. why don't you tell everyone how they can connect with you?
1: okay, they can go on my website. I will give you the link so you can share in the description but mm-hmm. it's in it. Chera.com, so J-A-N-I and E. C for Charlie, E-R-A.com, and social media. Janine Chera, my name, and they can find me there. And if you're struggling and you have some uh, limiting beliefs about money that is really making your life more difficult, send me a brief email to hello at geninechera.com. Or contact me through social media and we can have a chat. Thank Fantastic. you much for listening, everybody. And thank mm. you for having me on your podcast.
0: No, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, this has been a really interesting conversation, guys. And um, this is only the start. We might have Ginny back on again at some point. Um, but I hope you found this useful. If I'm completely honest, the mindset thing has been a huge shift for me over the last maybe three to four years. Massive. Um, and it's taken work. It's taken time. It really, really has. And I just hope that by you listening to to this episode and listening to the previous episodes of this podcast and watching the stuff that I talk about on YouTube and on Instagram, everything hopefully uh, ties in to one narrative that you can take away and use and implement in your life. Um, regardless of whether you're 40 like me or whether you're 17 I, I have people I have kids 17 years old email me I had one last week and it just made my week just to know that kids are thinking about this stuff and listening is just for me my job is done if I have a, if I can impact one 17 year old it's absolutely amazing so thank you so much if you have enjoyed this podcast make sure that you um, share it with your friends share it with your family and uh, yes we will speak next week take care.
1: Bye everyone,
0: bye!